Okay, good morning, everyone. We thank uh, Lazy Bean Cafe as well as the sponsors for this week. Linda Zalman Indig, Daniel Brand, a memory of Rabbi Aaron, Ben Shimon Akoin Brand. If you look on top of the sheet, it says Va'erem uh, B'Shalach. Maybe it'll be Va'erem Bo. We'll see what goes on next week. I'm not sure if I'm going to be here. But either way, this uh, I couldn't finish it all in one year. So you have enough material here for at least uh, two weeks. Let's just jump first into the Chumash, into the Parsha, then we'll jump to the Tefillah. There's a uh, Pasuk where Moshe says to uh, Paro, this is uh, towards the end of the Parsha, Perak Tes, Pasuk Chav Tes, Vayomer Elav Moshe, Ketzeis when I leave the city, we're already up here to the Maka, to the plague of Barad. Now Barad is really a double Maka in one. It's a two for one. You know, we have ten Makos, but each Maka was uh, pretty sophisticated. This one, it's really, if you look through the Torah, it's really referred to as Kolos of Barad. We call it Makas Barad, but there's two aspects to it. Just a good thing to point out. Kolos was thunder, very uh, loud thunder, I guess louder than any thunder we've ever heard because it would drive people crazy. And uh, Barad is hail. So there was a double impact of this maka. One is it drove people nuts. You know, like psychologically, the noise was just... Uh, I know sometimes they do that when they're trying to get people out of, uh, of a house, let's say. Where I remember back, remember that Waco, Texas? Many years ago, before your time, they played really loud music to try to drive the people crazy. So there's certain psychological uh, warfare that Hashem put on. But at the same time, there was the hail, which is the barad, that damaged uh, the agriculture. Now you wonder what was left after the previous Makos, but Hashem took his time destroying uh, the entire Mitzrayim. So that's what happened. So Paro begged uh, Moshe to, I just can't handle this anymore. And there was a very immediate, you'll see as the, the, the commentaries point out, Paro said, you gotta get rid of this right away. So Moshe says, you know what, I'll take my time. I'm not going to take too much time, but I first have to leave the city, I guess the capital. I have to go to the outside, to the fields. We'll see, this is going to be uh, part of this, we'll, we'll do this week, part of it next time. Ephros is Kapael Hashem, and I'll spread out my uh, hands to Hashem. We once discussed that whole aspect of uh, how we use our hands or don't use our hands when we daven. But that's not my focus now. So that's how I'm going to leave the city. I'll daven. And then I guarantee you that at least for now, no more barad and no more kolos. No more kolos and no more barad. Now, if you flip over to the uh, second side, then we'll come back to the first side. Very fascinating shear today. I don't give myself the credit, but if you look at uh, some of the sources that we put together, so if you look in the middle where it says sanctity, look at the Mishnah Brura. Mishnah Brura here is discussing something that I'm going to come to in a minute. But if you look at the uh, second line, Shahare Moshe Rabbeinu Alavashalam, Amar Sa'ir. He says, when I will leave the city, proper, because it was filled with uh, idols, chachkas, whatever exactly you want to call them. So we want to explain halakhically what's happening over here. You know, a number of years ago, I went to the British Museum, and uh, you know where that is. I don't know if you could get in now to England. But the, in, the, in the Egyptian section, 
they, you know, they dug up, the archaeologist or the, whoever does all the digging, they dug up, it's incredible. You see the uh, idols of the old pharaohs. And you know what's the first thing that you notice? First of all, how large they are. And these were obviously throughout Mitzrayim. And you see a really big fist, like a boxer. That's what it looked like, like a fist. Which the guy who gave me the private tour, very learned guy, <coughs> who's a friend of uh, Professor Reinhold, but I forgot his name, he said, that's why we see throughout the Torah, Yad Chazaka, Hashem says, I'll take you out with a strong hand. You have to know the culture. The culture there, where there were these fists all over the place. If you go downtown Detroit, you'll see a fist of Joe Lewis. That's the big highlight in Detroit. But this was uh, the fist and the whole thing. It's massive. Like you stand next to it, you feel like a nothing. So that's what uh, Mitzrayim was filled with and probably many other things. So here's a very interesting question. And this is the background that serves for uh, Parsha, and you'll understand the halacha as well. That's why the Mishnah Brewer quotes it. So Rashi, right on the spot, says, Mina'ir, ir second source on the first page. Moshe, there was some place where Moshe couldn't daven. Whichever place was filled with these uh, Avodah Zarah, he couldn't daven. Now the question is, as we'll go through some of the commentaries, what's the issue? Was the reason he, it was just like the same thing of going into a church? Is that somehow uh, there's a lack of sanctity? What's the other possibility? And you'll see how both are discussed in halacha. What's another possibility? It has nothing to do with, because uh, these are meaningless to us, and it's not formally a church. They're just, uh, you know, they're all over the place. What would be another possibility? Okay, maybe Maradine, especially during Modim, right? It could be. It's good. That connects to the, to the first problem. The other possibility, maybe, is just too much of a distraction. You know, at least for them, maybe Moshe had enough kavana. But it's tough. You know, if you walk into a room and it's filled with art, forget about Avodah Zarah, it may not be the easiest place to daven. You know, you, you try to catch a mincha minion on, uh, in the Met, if the Met's open, you know, in the Monet section, right? So, you know, it's going to be a little bit hard to daven. So maybe it's a concentration issue. Let's see what happens. Imagine a little kid, you know, the first, his first trip to Egypt. It's going to be hard to have kavana. So you'll see both tracks. So Rashi says that, like the first approach, nothing to do with concentration. Well, again, it doesn't really explain the reasoning. So it could be one reason or the other. Now, if I was given only a chumash here, you're going to ask me an obvious question, and you're going to have to read through the parsha very carefully. That's what I did after seeing this Rashi. There were two previous uh, makos where Paro tells Moshe to daven. The other makos so far, right? Paro didn't tell Moshe to daven, right? Either he felt uh, he could live, you know, he could deal with it, or most likely. But there were two other there are two other makos. It comes to Tzvardea. And it comes to uh, the Makkah of Arov. He tells Moshe, you better daven. You don't see Moshe saying in those situations, could say here. That's a very, if, you st if you're studying Rashi, that's a bomb kasha. Why specifically, what the Gilulim were only there when it comes to the Makkah of uh, Barat, called Barat, and not the other ones? So that's the question that many, many commentaries deal with. I'm not really going to answer it in, in great detail, because it's not a Parsha Shir, but you look at the Ramban and you look at many Rishonim. The Sifzik HaChamim, I'm going to spell it outside, says very simply, if you look at the other Makos, and I gave you an example, Shemos Periches, Pasig Dalet, Ruches, for example, Sfardea, look at Vav, 
Pasuk Vav on the bottom. Vayomer Lamachar. When it came to the other Makos, Paro accepted that we'll deal with this, the end of the Maka tomorrow. So the Sivsek HaChamim assumes, I give you the whole thing over here, Sivsek HaChamim assumes that Moshe never davened Betocha ear, but there wasn't such an urgency. So he didn't have to tell him that he's leaving. This is a situation where Paro says, you got to get rid of this right now. We literally can't handle it anymore. So Moshe said, <clears throat> I'll, uh, you know, I'm going to be obedient to you, but I can't daven over here. You know, it's a slap in the face to Paro. I can't daven in front of all these, uh, all of these idols. So that's why only by this maka. Sisei has some more details, but that's basically what he says. And I give to you the challenge. Now, how does this play out, Lahalafas? I want to show you a very interesting uh, discussion. We'll see as far as we could go today. You know, in uh, Benji, you, you ever work in a non-Jewish hospital, a Catholic hospital? Yes. Okay, I'm not putting you on the spot, and there's absolutely no problem doing it. So, what do they have on the, in many of the rooms? Salem. They have a Salem. What's a Salem in English? You have a cross hanging. Okay. Now, being recorded, so I can't tell any jokes over here, but I have one I'll tell you afterwards. But the bottom line is, when I was living in, uh, when I was living in Connecticut, so three of my kids were born in St. Vincent's Hospital. I had a choice. There's two hospitals, Bridgeport Hospital and St. Vincent's Hospital. I chose the Catholic Hospital. They're very nice. And um, I don't want to give all the details, but, you know, when you give birth, they tell you, you know, the men are supposed to calm the wives down, but it doesn't really work. So they tell them you're supposed to have a point. You know, you're supposed to focus on something. That's what the ladies, they, what's it called? The ladies should have a, the woman giving birth should have a focus point. So what do you, Debbie's looking right up there, over there, and you see what uh, the focus point is. So I, what am I going to have a kid born while she's thinking about, uh, you know, what could you do? So what well, was nice in St. Vincent's Hospital, not because I'm a rabbi, that was, it wasn't in the advertisement, but they offered every Jew to take down the Salem whenever you walked in. So I never saw such a thing. Because, you know, I'm a, I only went to Mount Sinai before. There they don't have the Salem hanging when my first kid was born. But all over the hospital, right, in the conference room, everywhere. So that's, you know, we could respect them. For them, maybe that's not a Zara, but for us, it's a Zara. So what are you supposed to do? Now, there's a bigger issue that we may not relate to. When you go to a, when you go to a hotel... I don't know if they still do it today, but it used to be that in a hotel there was a Bible in every room, right? A Bible. So that has no impact on me. Who put the Bible in there? So I don't know. There's a Bible in every, in every uh, room. I don't, is it still like that? I'd like to get that contract, right? There's a Bible in everything. But in the olden days, and when we say the olden days, I'm telling you, going back to the times of uh, Rishonim, we have a track record of this to the 14th century from the Truma Sadeshen through the time of the Mishnabura, what he's dealing with in that uh, little quote that I gave you from this parsha. In every inn, or in many of the inns, these were not, it's not the Hilton over here, or the, uh, the Marriott, they'd have these inns where people would stay as they were traveling for business or for whatever purpose. And what happened? All over the inn, there were probably uh, crosses, there were, little, there were idols. You think about Europe, what are, uh, these are very Catholic, Christian uh, places. So people, while they were traveling, there was a certain tension. It comes time to Davin Chakras, or it comes time to Davin Minchamarev, 
where exactly you're supposed to go. It could be your room is filled with uh, chashkas. Maybe you're in a room with uh, 20 people, 30 people. I don't know exactly what the inns look like. Then there's a separate halacha that you're really not supposed to daven while you're outside on the road. You're not going to be able to concentrate. There's a certain danger. You know, you stop. These are not places where, like, you know, you have on the uh, turnpike going up to the cat schools. You know, they serve you coffee while you have an amincha minion, right? There was a danger. And uh, so this was the tension. This was a common tension. Where are people going to daven? So here's a question going back to the 14th century. And this Rashi, which is obviously based on the Medrash, which is based on the Psukim, ends up coming up la halacha. So here's the question from the Truma Sadeshin. We actually have different editions of the Truma Sadeshin, so I'm going to give it to you from one edition, and then I'll give you the answer from another edition. It's a little confusing, but that has to do with works on manuscripts. So here's the question. Truma Sadeshin. Truma Sadeshin, I give you very briefly his biography, who's in uh, Vienna, Austria, in the 14th, uh, 15th century. This is a question that he was dealing with. Sheila, Mishahu Baderach. Now let me do the top one. Mishahu Baderach, someone's on the road, which means they're traveling. They're not in their shtetl. Vihigiyah Shasa Mincha. And it comes time to Davin Mincha. It's getting close. You know, you have this issue. You're in the car. What do you do? We used to have phone booths to go into because, you know, maybe you're embarrassed. You're not sure exactly what to do. I told the kids they used to have phone booths that you could actually sit in. You know, you make believe you're talking to God, collect call. But uh, they didn't have that over here. I guarantee you the, the hotels over here were not five-star hotels. You close, to, I call it an inn, as opposed, a motel, but it's not even a motel. An inn as opposed to a hotel. Right? You, you're, uh, you're not coming near uh, a shtetl. It's a non-Jewish town. This should be a, a mem, not a samach. Is it better that you should dive in outside? The easiest answer is wait till you get to the end. But as you go through this question, look at the tshuva on the bottom. If you're able to really get off of the, the road so you can find yourself a, a quiet place, not under a church or uh, an idol, but a nice, quiet place. That you're not going to have people bothering you, whatever they're bothering you for. What he's basically saying is that there's a good chance by that this malone that you're going to get to in a non-Jewish neighborhood is going to be filled with idols, it's going to be filled with crosses, and for some reason you can't have it in such a place, as we'll see. He says it straight out. Once you get into the, the city, you're going to have a lot of gilulim. Bate tumah is not such a nice way of saying bate tumah churches, right? You're basically going to be uh, overloaded. And how can you dive in such a place? We'll see what, what, what as we move over. You're not going to find such a place. And then he says, what else do you have there? You have paintings and images and hakukim v'kotel. Unlike my experience where you could just take it off and it's only the nail that's left there, it's actually engraved into the wall. So you just imagine, it's tough to have a good night's sleep. You wake up and you know, you're surrounded by a lot of different things. So that's the basic issue. If you look into the Shulchan Aruch, we'll come back uh, next week to finish a little bit more of the Trimah Sadeshen. The Truma Sadeshin says 
the Shulchan Aruch LaHalacha brings this down. Velo Yispalel B'Malon Shalovdei Kachavim Shalo Yival Veluhu B'nei Habayis. So the reasoning seems to be that's given over here by the Shulchan Aruch is more of a concentration issue that you shouldn't uh, the people you, you group shouldn't lose concentration. It's not so much on the Avodah Zarah aspect, which we'll come back to. But what are you supposed to do if you have no other thing? Is the place actually defined as a place of Avodah Zarah? It's not a church. That's just what they use for decorations. So he says, Yisbalabim alone, Be'ezek Karen Zavis. Based on this Truma Sadeshin, I didn't give you the whole Truma Sadeshin, you should try to find a corner. You try to find within the, the hotel and in a corner where you could have some type of uh, privacy without being distracted. So next time we'll continue. But again, the source for all of this discussion and Lahalacha is going to be Moshe Rabbeinu. That Moshe Rabbeinu himself, whether it was because of distraction or whether it was because of Avodah Zarah, he basically tells Paro, I have to leave the city. And then we'll show you a different perspective as well.